0: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. We are in Leviticus chapter 8 this morning. Uh, Before we get started, um, you guys heard about the shootings? You guys have been hearing about that. Um, I feel like we ought to be compelled to pray um, for, for, that. Um, I, I, was just looking at, I hadn't seen anything about it until, uh, last night. And, um, one of the few good uses of Facebook, I guess, uh, you know, is you get, you get some of these late breaking news and, um, um, there was a shooting in Texas. For those of you who may not know, I, I, it was at a Walmart, um, and 18 adults were killed and four children. And then I guess there was another one last night, early, early this morning in Ohio and I, and I don't know, there was an actual like, a site for uh, a Facebook page just for it to remember the, the victims of the, of the shooting in Texas. And somebody posted uh, what they claimed was an, an FBI report um, that somebody from their family was in the FBI and it said that this is, these are planned attacks. Um, by who, we don't know. Uh, or, when, or what the purpose is, we don't fully know, I don't think. Um, but uh, we need to pray for our nation. You know we need to pray for our nation, and and, and we need to understand something too. Um, remember when 9/11 happened, and um, you know there were certain preachers who were saying this is God's judgment, this is God's judgment, and I was just like, oh man, idiot, <laughs> you know, and it made me so angry because uh, there's a pointed time for God's judgment upon planet Earth, right? That's why we have the Word of God so that we might know that okay it's also important to remember that we are not israel we are not a covenant nation in the sense that israel is a covenant nation with god okay that is a completely unique thing the reason that the united states of america has god's blessing residing on us or has in the past has god's blessing residing on us are two things first of all By and large, we have been a, quote-unquote, Christian nation. Of course, you can point to a million different things that ain't so Christian uh, in the history of our our nation. But by and large, there is an idea, there is an understanding. The laws of this land, the Constitution, all of these things are based on Judeo-Christian principles and values. Period. Point blank. End of story. And just like you can go to a church and you can point out 20 different people in there, or more maybe... That are completely hypocritical and completely not living their lives according to what the scripture lays out, that doesn't mean that the scripture itself is invalid, right? It doesn't mean that the truth of God's word are made invalid because of the fact that some of his people aren't living up to it. God is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. God is faithful. God is righteous. God is holy. God is just. We are not. We are not. Uh, God forbid that we would ever, within ourselves, come to a place where we begin to feel as though our position with Christ uh, is elevated above anybody else on planet Earth. There, there's, there's, there's three kinds of people. And I've, we've kind of jokingly talked about this before. A southern preacher uh, said one time that there's three kinds of people. Them's that is, them's that ain't, and them's that thinks they is but ain't. Okay, so the only thing that separates you and I from anybody else on planet Earth is our position with God in Christ Jesus. This is the whole of the scriptures. This is the whole of the gospel message. That Christ's hope, that he specifically came to this planet to establish by dying on the cross for you and for me, is the hope of the nation's. And there is no hope outside of that. One thing we learn from history is what? We don't learn from history. And if you don't learn from history, you are what? Doomed to repeat it. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that's changed about the the nature of mankind. Our hearts, as the scripture says, are desperately wicked and beyond finding out. The one hope... The one hope that this world truly has is Jesus Christ. And we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors to this world. It's not our job to judge people. It's not our job to condemn people. It's not our jobs to declare God's judgment or this or that. It is our jobs to reflect the image of God in Jesus Christ. That is the job of the church, and that is the job of the individual Christian. Now, we speak the truth, we never compromise the truth, we stand upon the word of God. It is what it is, and it says what it says. And no matter what philosophers or politicians or movie stars or anybody else or religious leaders anywhere in the world, no matter what they say and no matter what they do, God's word stands eternal. And so we stand upon that and we proclaim that and we never shy away from that and we never back down from that. But there is never, there is never to be condemnation in our delivery of it. People need to see that we love them because He first loved us. That's what they need to see. You've heard it said before, no doubt, that people don't care about how much you know Until they know how much you care. They don't. I don't want to be told what I need to do or what I ought to be doing by somebody that I don't think really cares whether or not I succeed or fail. Or whether or not my family succeeds or fails. No, I want to have men and women around me to speak into my life who I know care for me. And care for my wife and care for my children and want the best things for us in Christ. Those are the people I want to surround myself with, not negative people, not people who get caught up in this thing or that thing or this political agenda or that political agenda or in the things of this world, but people who stand apart, who stand apart because of their relationship with Jesus Christ and in how they reflect his love, one to another within our body and then out to the world that's how it works that's why we come to church there's no gold star in a secret book that we keep hidden under the podium here right and a gold star goes next to your name okay i see who was in church today all right that's three points lord okay we're good no no, no. this place is supposed to be an aid station this place is supposed to be an oasis in the desert This place is supposed to be where the manna falls. This place is supposed to be where water springs from the rock. You understand? And so God has given us this little church in the middle of Kirkville for us to gather together, to study his word together, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to exhort one another. So that when we leave from this place and go out into the world, I love Calvary Chapel of the Finger Lakes, as you leave their parking lot, they have a big giant rock with a plaque on it that says you are now entering the mission field. That's it, man. That's it. And that's what it's supposed to be. Our world is dying. And they perish for a lack of understanding, the Bible says. For a lack of understanding. What? There's a famine. A famine of what? A famine for God's word. God's word's not being proclaimed. God's word is not being called out in love and in righteousness. See, we forget often, church, that it is God that causes everything to grow. It is never you and I Remember, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God did not give Adam and Eve the power to grow things. They were to what, the garden? Tend the garden. Even in perfection before sin, the job of the man and the woman was to tend the garden that God created. But he's the one that caused the water to flow, and he's the one that caused life to exist and to spring up and to grow forth. And it's the same thing today. We are sowers of the seed. We are never to try and become growers. We know how people ought to be saved. And we know how it ought to look. And we know how we ought to do all of these different things. No, God has called us to spread the seed. He's called called us to sow the seed. Unpolluted, undiluted, as it is, the word of God. Have you ever been in a situation where someone who is an unbeliever is asking you questions about the Bible and you're afraid or or at least apprehensive about telling them the truth? Why? And this is very natural. We all are like this. Of course you're apprehensive. Why? Because parts of it are offensive. Parts of the Bible are offensive. Jesus Christ himself is called a stumbling stone of offense. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And just as Jesus Christ was a stumbling block to those who refused to repent and those who were caught up so deeply into their religion that they were able to see the heart of the matter, Jesus was a stone of offense. And in the same way, the Word of God today is a stumbling stone of offense. Whether it be a Christian brother and sister who's gotten into some aberrant doctrines and you bring the Word of God to them, it's going to stumble their flesh. It's going to offend their flesh. When anyone comes to you and says, hey, you, what you're doing is wrong. That thing in your life has got to go. You're never like, that felt awesome. Wow. I just want to thank you for that. It's beautiful. The way you told me I was wrong. I'm screwing my whole life up. Never. You want to to give them like, you know, (laughs) two biscuits and a... (laughs) You hate that. We all do. Guys, it's human nature. I don't like to be told I'm wrong. I don't like to be told something that I'm doing is wrong or the way that I'm thinking or the way that I'm living my life is wrong in a certain way. But again, if we can remove ourselves from the equation, you understand? If we can remove ourselves from the equation and express, and this should be the prayer of every Christian, that I could express your truth, God, God in love that i could express the beauty of holiness through the eyes of jesus christ the way he expressed it and some are going to be offended and some are going to recoil at it there are always going to be those people in this world but to those people who are seeking after the life and those people who are seeking after the truth God's word will resound in their ears as he opens them. And they will see as God opens their eyes. It's not my job. It's not my job. My job is to love them. Love them. That no matter what, they may never want to invite me to a party. They may never want to hang out with me because I'm a stick in the mud. They may never want to do this thing or that with me. But they know they can call me when they've got a flat tire. They know that they can call me when they need help moving. They know that they can call me when they're sick and they need someone to help out. Always the Christian stands ready. Remember when Jesus gave the parable of of the sheep and the goats. And in the the story of the sheep and the goats, there's two groups that are set before him. Remember how how they're divided and the way in which their judge was dependent upon how they had treated those who were in the world. I was sick and you came and visited me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. Lord, when? When did we do that? When did we do that? And as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And to the goats, when he condemned them, he said, for I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was in prison, and you didn't come and visit me. I was sick, and you did nothing to bring anything to my aid. When, Lord, when? When? When did we not do these things for you? Inasmuch as you have not done these things, to the least of these. Now, who are the least of these? It's the crackhead. It's the homeless man or woman in the street. It's the loose, moraled person. It's the drunk. It's the person whose sin you find so vile and offensive that you recoil at the thought of being near them. Those are the least of these. Well, how in the world can I get past myself? Uh-huh. We can't. You ever, you ever notice that? You can't get past yourself, can you? You know what the problem is? And people look like, oh, this, this, this life stinks. I'm going to pick up and I'm going to move and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to start a whole new life. i to start a whole new thing. You know what the problem is? You bring yourself with you. That's the problem. You brought yourself with you to the new place. And you keep on doing and my mom used to. And I don't know why you gave this to me. Hurtful. But I think she pasted it on my door. Put it on the dashboard of my car. You know, I'd open the fridge and there it would be. And it was a picture. A little mom was actually a really good artist. And she was this guy just like with his hand, finger like this, like he was wondering why. Wondering about something. And he's walking in a circle and it's footsteps in a circular motion. And the little bubbles above his head and it says, If I always do what I've always done... I'll always get what I've always gotten, and boy, is that true? That's true. Every time I return to the things of the flesh, like a dog to its vomit. You know, I like the Bible is very descriptive. I love that. I love when it. If you read the Bible and you go, "Ew," that's my favorite parts of the Bible. I love it. As a dog returns to his vomit, you see a dog it pukes, and then here he comes back, and you're like, "Oh, Rover, you sicken me. You sicken me. Look at you." And he's like, "Like it's like it's." like it's good food you make me sick dog what's wrong with you and God's like that's what I see every day every week every month every year I see my children who I've set free who I've brought into my marvelous light who I've given him good food and good drink to eat and drink and I see them every day going back to the vomit heap to gorge themselves and then wonder why they're sick and then wonder why their relationships are failing and then wonder why they feel far away from my presence. God wants us to move away from those things into the things that pertain to him, into his marvelous light. This world is dying. People are dying babies are dying and there's no legislation you know we see certain legislations and heartbeat bills and we and we and yeah and we we should be happy about those things any life saved any life saved we should rejoice over but we are not taking care of the problem at hand that's not the problem You don't, you don't help a town to become dry and to get rid of all of its bars by legislating that, you know, prohibition. Remember how that worked out for the United States? What you do is you get people saved. You know Billy Sunday, uh, one of my dad's favorite evangelists from back in the old days, from the 20s, I think it was. He would go around and he would go from town to town, and and people would come to his his evangelistic crusades, and people would get saved, and then all of a sudden the bars would start closing down, and it's not because anyone had a a, a picket sign, and it's not because 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 people were standing outside and going drunkenness is immoral, you drunkenness is immoral. Look at this guy, they're drunk. It's because people stopped going to the bar, because they're at Bible study. (laughs) Because they're they're like, no, I don't want to be all foggy and clogged up in my mind, man. I want to be able to worship God. I want to be able to study His Word. I want to be able to seek His face. It's, It's not about locking the door on someone. It's about opening them up. And allowing them to see the freedom in Christ. And that all of the things, the rudimentary and elementary and base and low things of this world, the vomit of this world, that I love to eat and shovel into my mouth. Suddenly, I begin to see it for what it is. And why would I partake of that when God has given me something so much better? Oh, that the world could see that. But first, oh, that the church could see that. Oh, that I could see that. Oh, man, it's easy to say stuff. Everyone who's, everyone who's married and male here, it's easy to say you love me. It's easy to say. <laughs> but if you love me, you'd show me you love me. And she's right. She's absolutely right. Well, you always say this. You think I might love to do this. If I love my wife, I'll show her that I love her through my actions. And that song that we sang, that when we look at the, that Chris Tomlin song, I love it. You know, nobody loves me like Jesus. And when we look in the sky and we look at the stars and we look at the sunset, it's like a love letter written in the sky for you and I. He loves you. He loves everybody in this world. And we're in a bad way. We are in a bad way in this country. You know, if you've studied any part of history, and you studied ancient Rome, and you remember your history teacher saying to you, Rome was never conquered from without by an outside enemy. But Rome crumbled from within. Rome crumbled within. You study Rome's history. They were never born-again Christians. But they had a moral standard. And they had laws. And it was a high standard that they held themselves and their citizenry to. It's not until you get later in Roman history that the gladiator pits become a thing. And feeding people to lions and the decadence and the wickedness and the darkness and the evil begins to really, really fully take hold. And Rome just crumbles. And here we stand, one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all that men and women have said for the past what is it 250 years 300 years how old are we not that old you know comparably but we've been saying that since the beginning one nation under god indivisible i mean no one can separate us no one can break us apart because we're under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all and we've taken god Out of it and presume that we can still stand indivisible and that there would still be justice for all god is the provider of these things and it's the holy and reverent fear of him that created those things even though the men that created them and the men that wrote our constitution and the declaration and all of these things they didn't live up to the to the word of god no more than any of us do But they still understood that those principles and those concepts were true, and that any nation that rejected them or abandoned them and sought to live things their own way without God's headship was going nowhere. And now here we are. We've kicked God out of everything, we've kicked him out of everything. And we see the results. But we shouldn't be angry, we shouldn't be upset. We need to pray. We need to pray. My sister, who was a pretend hippie, do you know what a pretend hippie is? That's the hippie who bathes. Right? This is, it was big in the, in the 90s. You know, she had tie-dye uh, shirts that she wore and little, little hemp bracelets and you know things like that. I was like, I'm a hippie man. I'm a hippie man. I said, like, you have five quarts of hairspray in your hair. You're not a hippie. You showered. You shaved. You're, you're not a hippie. I'm sorry. You, know? you painted your toenails, for heaven's sakes. You know hippie, but she had all these hippie shirts, and the one said, "Think globally, act locally. you can 't change the world, but you can change what happens in your house. you can 't change the world, but you can change maybe what happens in the break room at work or at school. You can change something there, and it starts by changing ourselves, or rather by allowing God to change us but Boy, talk about a preamble to a prayer. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for the victims of these horrible, awful shootings. And you know how? And we, you all, you could don't even bother to turn on the news. If you want, I'll tell you after the service exactly what's going to be said on the news. This, we got to do this, and 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 we got to do this. Maybe we should seek God. Shut up, you. Quiet, you. We don't need God. Thoughts and prayers mean nothing without action. You know all that nonsense gonna be the same old thing so we need to be praying that god begins to mobilize his kids his people because he's got people down there in texas in the situation he's got people that were in that walmart he's got people that were in that mall or whichever it was in ohio where the shooting the last one took place as far as we know he's got people there and we ought to be covering them in prayer and praying that god would prepare our hearts should something like that come close to us let's pray heavenly father we we come before you in jesus name and lord we ask and pray that you would uh father uh, that you would fill our hearts and our minds lord with your presence lord that you would help us to truly lord seek and desire to know you lord to have you uh a reality in our lives not just on sundays lord or when we need you lord but but that we would be hunger as as Jesus said, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness because he promised if we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, we would be filled. And we pray that you would do that, Lord. We pray that you would prepare us, Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, to be beacons of hope and truth and light, Father, to a world that so desperately needs to see something, Lord, uh, other than what they're seeing every day on social media and on the news channels, Lord. Um, Help us to be those people. Father, we pray for all of the people, uh, Lord, in Texas, all the people in Ohio, um, Lord, all of these people who have been affected by this, these tragedies, Lord, these awful, terrible, horrible tragedies, Lord God. We pray for those families that have lost people, Lord. We pray for those families that have lost husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, Lord. We pray, Father God, for the peace that passes understanding. Lord, in these last days when um, we claim to want truth and we claim to want light and yet run run towards the darkness with our fingers in our ears, Lord, we pray, Lord that you would unstop the ears uh, of whoever it is, Father God, that you would, that you would bring to salvation. We pray that you would unstop their ears and open their eyes, Lord God. we pray that you would mobilize your children. Lord, I don't care where, where they go to church. I don't care what their deal is, Lord, as long as they love Jesus. Lord, and they can be filled with your spirit, Lord. I pray that you'd mobilize them. You'd mobilize people everywhere, Father, to come into the lives and to come alongside the people that are going through this tragedy, Lord, and that they would offer comfort, Lord, and they would offer prayer, and they would offer um, their assistance, Lord, and, and, and their hearts to care for these people, Lord. pray that the people would see a true outpouring of caring and love, Lord, from the Christian community. Father, we, we pray, Lord God, um, no matter where these tragedies take place, we pray that you would plant people, that you would put people there, Lord, as only you can do. Father, we pray, Lord God, for our nation. Uh, Lord, and you know the times and the dates and the places. And, Father, we, we've read Revelation. We know where it's all headed, Father. But until the day that you take us out of this world, Lord God, we've got work to do. Lord, and we want to see people saved. We want to see people brought into the kingdom, Lord. And so we pray that you would begin to change our hearts and change our thoughts, Lord, towards people. Lord, towards people. Uh, Lord, that we would truly have compassion on them, Lord. That we would not allow ourselves to speak words of anger, words of judgment, words of disgust, Lord, towards whoever, from wherever. Lord, but we would really and truly have a compassion within us that would come from you. Lord, we pray and ask in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, that you'd conform us a little by little, Lord, day by day into the image of your Son, Lord, and that we, when people see us coming, they would see life, the fragrance of life, Lord, and the visage of life, that they would see that in us, Lord, and the words that we speak, though it may offend their flesh, Lord, that they would understand, and even though they may recoil at first and run away in anger, Lord, that they would deepen their hearts, understand and know, Father, that the words that we have spoken are not ours, Lord, but that your spirit would prick their hearts, Lord, and that they would feel that touch of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, showing them that is the way, that is the truth, that is the life. You need to come to Jesus. You need to know Jesus. Jesus needs to be your Lord and your Savior. But Father, we pray that he would be our Lord and Savior first, Father. We pray, Lord God, that Uh, Though we know we're saved, though we believe that we're saved because of our confessions and because of what Jesus has accomplished in us standing on that, Lord, we we know that we have a place with you, Father, but we we confess to you, Father, that we're distracted. We confess to you, Father, that we're, we're turned aside, Lord. Maybe some of us are completely off the path, Lord, off in the field somewhere, over the guardrail, Lord. Father, bring us back. Bring us back to you. Bring us back lord that we would be like jesus and the bible says that his face was set like flint towards jerusalem lord towards the will of the father help us to be like that father pray for healing we pray for the emts the doctors the surgeons lord and we pray for the wicked men uh, who have concocted this plot if it is a plot lord and for every one of them that's involved father we pray first that you would foil their plans We pray, Father God, that you would give our law enforcement agencies wisdom uh, to uncover any plots, Lord, that are remaining and to stop it. Lord, but we pray for these wicked people, Father, who have uh, in their hearts a desire to hurt others, to bring mayhem and pain and death. Father, touch even them, Lord. Bring your light and your forgiveness even to them, Lord, that you would march them right into your presence, Lord doesn't matter who they are doesn't matter where they're from father you can change them you can you can bring light to their darkness father we pray that you would do just that father we glor- we glorify you today we thank you and we praise you and we love you father for all that you've done for everything that you are and we pray lord god that you would help us to just focus in on you lord in these last days that we're living in we really believe it lord and that we would focus in on you draw our families close together lord and our church close together. And open our arms to anyone else who would seek to join us or would desire to join us so that we could convince to join us, Lord, to be together in worship and fellowship and praise, to do the work you've called us to do, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, what do we got left? We've got a couple minutes. So there's some good points to be made. Leviticus chapter 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments, the anointing oil, a bowl as the sin offering, two rams and a basket of unleavened bread and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord command, commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him, and he girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate, and he put the turban on his head also on the turban on its fr- on its front he put the golden plate the holy crown as the lord had commanded moses also moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times anointing anointed the altar and all of its utensils and the labor and its base to consecrate them And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. That's what we're stopping for today. all of the implementation, all of the the, the the turbans and the ephods and the breastplates and the crowns and the garments and the sashes and all of the things that God had... Uh, told moses when he was on mount sinai that this is what i want you to construct and this is how i want it to be constructed i mean the the detail of it and the, the, the vastness of of all of the different uh sacrifices and the way the way they were to be offered the information that we what we find as we read through leviticus uh is is astounding can you imagine having to remember all of this i don't know about you but when i'm reading through these scriptures i'm like goodness gracious talk about a daunting task to be a high priest And to understand and to know that we need to do these things exactly the way God has said that they need to be done, lest we die. Lest we die. And and there's something that God wants all people for all times to understand about the law of God and about entering in the presence of a holy God is just that, that he is a holy God. That he is a holy God. And so all that would come into his presence must be holy. Anyone who would enter into the presence of God must be holy. And so God gives to Moses all of the ways in which Aaron and his sons were to be made ceremonially clean. And, and God would accept the sacrifices that were given and, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the things that were done in anointing them and preparing them for the service of ministry and for the priesthood, that God was going to allow these things to make them holy so that they could serve in his presence. But they had to be done exactly, and they had to be done perfectly, lest they die and you see this in the old testament lot. less you die unless they die and so what's god's problem you don't even get his coffee this morning god is a holy righteous god you understand but this is a dangerous proposition to enter into the presence of a holy god when we ourselves are not holy and there's a separation always a separation and a dividing line between us and god because of sin and it's a very serious separation. And sin cannot abide in his presence. When God told Moses, no man, no man can see my face and live, it's not because, look, and if, you know, if it's classified. And if I tell you, I've got to kill you. you know. that's, that's not what it is. What it is is that because we're sinful, because, because all of us have sin that resides in our hearts, we cannot stand before a holy God and expect to live. It, it's, just the, it's the nature of the two things cannot cohabitate, if that makes sense. The nature of the two things cannot coexist. They cannot be in the same place at the same time. It's the dawn dish detergent commercial when they drip it in the greasy bowl and the grease goes like that. Whoa! That's what God is to sin. It can't be in His presence. When God talks in the Word of God about hellfire, He specifically says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was not created for human beings. It was not created for human beings. God's desire and God's intentions is that all would be saved and all would come to the glory and the knowledge of a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. That's God's, God's will. His sovereign will is that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. And yet the fact remains that in our own sin and in our own hearts, we are separated from God. And of course, this is in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus, long before Jesus Christ. And so God says, look, I want to have a relationship with you guys. I want to talk to you guys. I want to lead you guys. I want to be a light to you guys. But you've got to understand, if we're going to enter into this covenant relationship together, it is serious. It is literally a matter of life and death. If you don't do things correctly, if you seek to enter into my presence in a way that's unworthy of me, you're you're not going to make it. It's not that God's mad. It's not that God's angry. There's times that he did get angry with the children of Israel, but not about this, it's not about this, it's about, look, I'm protecting you. Remember when Moses wanted to see God, he said, you can't see my face, but I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll cause all of my goodness to pass before you. And in that circumstance and in that instance was a picture of what God was going to do through the Jewish faith. That I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to hide you and put you in a protective place and allow my goodness to pass before you in a way that you can handle and that you can take it and not be destroyed. And all the things I'm going to teach you and all the laws that I'm going to give you and all the ceremonial things that I'm going to tell you you must do is for that purpose. And so it's a very serious and solemn thing. As all of these utensils and all of these articles of the worship and the sacrificial system, as they're now being implemented, as they're being put into service, it's very, very, very serious. And it's very, very, very heavy stuff. So it's interesting. um, Moses, the Bible says, did as the Lord commanded him. And Moses in verse 5 said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. And then he begins putting Aaron and his sons into service. And he wanted all the people who were gathered there, and everyone, you know, certainly the whole congregation couldn't fit inside the tabernacle. They couldn't all be there. But they were all surrounding the place, and the leaders and the elders were there, and probably as Moses would speak it, and and then they would pass it on down. This is what he said. He said, this is what God says has to be done. This 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 is what God has commanded us to do, that everyone would know and everyone would see. This is God's word being obeyed. It's evidently, just absolutely imperative that they understood that this is God's word being obeyed. Everything that's going to take place from putting Aaron and his sons into the service of Almighty God and the sacrifices that come from that point on, everything has got to be done according to God's word. It all goes back to God's word. When we get to chapter 10, we're going to get a little bit more into that. We don't get to just enter into God's presence, kick the door open and say, guess who's home, you know. Even in Christ Jesus, that's why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. You know, and yet the world, the philosophy of this world is that, you know, the religion is like a spokes of a wheel. and, And all the spokes lead to the hub, which is God. That sounds great. That sounds really nice. That sounds, oh, it's inclusive. We like inclusive. I mean, everyone included. Who's invited? Everybody's invited. And they are. But Jesus Christ was very clear I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's not a haughty thing. It's not a, a Jesus standing up there and saying, hello, you other worthless people. You better know it's me. It's me, pal. He's telling them, he's imploring them, I am the sheep gate. Anybody who comes any other way but through the gate is what? A robber and a thief. I am the gate and I am the way. There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, there was no way to God except through his prescribed means of worship. And so what do we see? Verse 6, Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. In the scripture, water and washing with water is always a picture of the word of God. And that's the job of the the Word of God in our lives is to wash us and is to make us clean. Remember at the Last Supper when Jesus goes around washing the disciples' feet and he gets to Peter. And Peter, who was a bit of a showboat in my opinion, you know, Never, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Why did he say that to Jesus? Because the the job of washing uh, people's feet was the job of the lowest servant in the house. Peter was trying to be a good guy. He was trying to say, I'm your servant, you're not my servant. How can you wash my feet? No, never, never, never. And Jesus, you remember, he said, Unless you let me wash your feet, Peter, you have no part in this ministry. Then wash my whole body. Then give me a bath, you know. Oh, Peter. And remember what Jesus said to him, though. Peter, those who have already had a bath don't need another bath, but they need their feet washed. And so being born again, coming to know the Lord through Jesus Christ, and understanding the beauty and the power and the truth and, and, and the purpose of God's Word is that bath that we receive. It's that washing that we receive. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the cleansing of ourselves before God by accepting the Word of God. But we continually need to be washed. We continually need to be washed with the water of the Word, as the Scripture says. Um, and then Moses begins to put all of the implements of the priesthood, first on Aaron. Notice it says, Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, plural. And then verse 7, it says, Then he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. So Aaron is the high priest now. There's going to be a distinction made between the vestige uh, of Aaron, the high priest, and the vestiges of his sons, who were serving as priests. Aaron is the first high priest of the nation of Israel. And here Moses is putting, for the first time in the history of the world, Moses is putting on the vestiges of a high priest upon a man. First he had to be washed. And then he puts the vestiges on him. And then after that he's going to anoint him with oil. And of course, oil in the scripture is always for us a picture of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, remember this is specifically why Jesus told the disciples when he appeared to him before he ascended into heaven, he said, Wait in Jerusalem. You know, I've, 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 listen, I want you to go out and I want you to tell all the world the gospel and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, but, but wait. Wait. Don't do anything until you receive power from on high. Wait until the Comforter comes who I've promised you. Don't do anything until that point in time. And so they wait in Jerusalem, and then that day that we call what we call Pentecost, but it's, Pentecost is a Jewish feast, as you know. And on that day, they're gathered in an upper room, and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and a light's on them, and they have this unbelievable experience, and the wind blows through, and shakes the place, and it's this mighty thing. And they come out of the place and they're speaking in other languages and and they're in in this port area of Jerusalem and everyone sees them and they're speaking in different languages and they see them walking out of the place, you know, probably confused and looking a little silly and they're all, they're drunk. These guys are drunk. And and then Peter draws all their their attention. He says, wait, 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 men, men of Israel, these these men are not drunk as you suppose. And then he goes into it. And it's a new Peter that first message that he preaches in Acts, when you read that, aren't you like, every time you read that, you're like, that ain't Peter. I read the stuff he said in the Gospels. You know what I mean? And it was just like, he'd go from like, wow, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father is in heaven. The next sentence, get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? You don't have in your heart the thoughts of God, but the thoughts of men. And Peter, he was like, he could not get one foot out of his mouth long enough before he had to insert the other one. But now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, he'd been called by Jesus. And Jesus, he said, remember what he said to them, you are clean. Remember he said to them, you are all clean. He said, though not all of you, referring to Judas, but he said, you are clean. And now wait for the anointing. And when the Holy Spirit came on that day and fell on them and anointed them, it's a ho- you, Peter's gone. Where'd Peter go? Where's the timid guy go? Where's the guy who's always saying dumb stuff and chopping people's ears off, you know? Where'd he go? Well, he was washed and he was anointed now, with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, help us to understand and know. Nobody, listen. Nobody needs Frank. <laughs> okay? Who? Nobody needs Frank Thomas. You know what we need? Frank Thomas. You know, in in the Pentagon right now, they're probably saying that. You know, they're going bring us like, we need Frank. That's what we need. Anyone know where he's at? You know, he's you know elbow deep in a bag of Doritos, sir, watching some sort of a. You know, he, nobody needs Frank. Nobody needs, Frank, they need, they need anybody called by God, washed, and anointed with the Spirit. That's what they need. The biggest church mistake we could ever make or the church could ever make was presuming that we take ourselves out into the mission field and win men in Christ. God forbid. But be anointed with the Spirit and then do the service of the Father so that it's not me. Nobody, nobody needs me. Well, you know, a couple people maybe. But you don't understand what I'm saying. You know, which, oh boy, I tell you what, if if only that guy or that lady would get saved, imagine what God could do through them. Uh, Well, let me tell you what he would do first if they got saved, is he would strip all that off. Get rid of all that. Back to hardware mode. I mean, this is the story of Moses, isn't it? He's a conqueror, he's a warrior, he's a soldier, he's a leader, he's a commander, and he presumes that he's going to lead the children out of captivity. And he kills that, slave, that, that, that uh, taskmaster. Uh, and what happens? Nothing. He's found out, he's driven from Egypt, and for 40 years, he wanders the desert, he goes to Midian, he finds a family, he becomes a shepherd... And by the time God gets to him 40 years later, he can't even speak, he says. I don't even have any words. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Oh, best words ever spoken. God says, I will be with you. And I will give you the words to speak. Now you're ready to be used, Moses. Same thing with us. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. I just want to read, we'll finish up. I want to read a couple of verses here. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Of course, Aaron and and every high priest from, from, from here on through the times of Christ is a picture of Jesus. Uh, and that's why the crown and the ephod and the umim and the thumim and the breastplate and, the, and, and, this, and all these special things, he was a representative of what, what Jesus Christ was going to be for all of us, for you and I, a high priest. And because we've accepted him as our high priest, the Bible says we have become a kingdom of priests, a, royal na- a, a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. But the writer of Hebrews says, But let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, Psalm 133, verses 1 and 2, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garments. And what David is saying here in the scriptures is that when we dwell together in unity, like we're doing today, like today, it's like when Aaron was anointed and put into the priesthood. It's like when Moses took that flask of oil and after he sprinkled the articles of the temple, of the tabernacle, rather, he poured some of it on on Aaron's head. I wonder if Aaron was expecting that. You know, suddenly it's like, glug, 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 and the oil's running down his face. I just got these new clothes, man. You know, and there comes the oil running down his beard and off the edge of his garment, but it's a representation of the Holy Spirit. We need to be covered in the Holy Spirit. And because of what Jesus Christ did, we can be sprinkled, as the writer of Hebrews says, and David in Psalms says, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In other words, all of us understanding these things, knowing that we have called to be a kingdom of priests as well, and allowing God to anoint our hearts with the oil of his Holy Spirit. Here it is in verse Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that's you, that's me, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles that when they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation that's exactly what we were talking about the truth of God's word is offensive the truth of God's word is a stumbling block but what Peter says is that we ought to live our lives in such a way because people are looking for a hypocrite so that they can point a finger at it and said, I don't have to believe and I don't have to receive Christ because that guy's a hypocrite. You've, you've heard people say this to you in your life. I used to go to church, but then this dude, this lady, I don't go to church because of how Christians act. Right? And Peter specifically says, live your life in such a way that even when they speak evil of you. Why? Because of the message that you proclaim. The truth of God's word is offensive. Even though that's going to happen. Huh. Uh, that when they speak evil against you they may by your good works which they observe glorify god in the day of visitation when they feel his presence in their lives when he touches their hearts that they can say ah that's what's different about so and so that's what makes them different that's why the words that they speak are true let's pray heavenly father thank you for your word and lord thank you so much for calling us to be a kingdom of priests lord and we pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, that you would cause us to uh, allow you, Father, to sprinkle us, to wash us with the water of the word, Lord, and to sprinkle us with your spirit, Father. Uh, Lord, that we might turn away from uh, all of the things and the attitudes and the, and the d- desires and the drives of our flesh, Lord, and uh, the things that we know that draw us away from you, Father, the things that to you are the vomit. Uh, That we would move away from these things, Lord, and, and just deeper into your marvelous light, Lord. and Deeper into relationship with you, Father, so that people could see in us hope and light and truth. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, Lord. That you would be gracious to them and to their families. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord, today and each day moving forward from here, Lord, in a very special way, drawing them into your presence them and their families as well, Father. I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Father, that you would show them your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.